0: I'm your host Shisa Moa and joining us is my co-host Mai Tao. And today's episode is by far the most inspiring guy I have chatted with. There's so many guys that's been on the show before us and then more to come. However, again, this guy is so inspiring. I met him about a few years back in Fresno. You know, and his childhood was very rough. His dad was an abusive drug addict. His mom banning him. As a very young child, um, he was bullied in school. Despite all that, he didn't fall into depression, but instead it fueled him to learn English and more. He went to study in the Netherlands and came to the US for college. After being abandoned for quite a while, for maybe a little more than a decade, he was reunited with his mom and dad. Furthermore, he built a school in Laos for kids and teach them english fast forward he was supposed to be biking from the west coast to the east coast starting this month however due to the pandemic that has been postponed to next year but lastly happy birthday her yeah, and it can turn another year already but last let's take our sponsor and let's jump right into it today's sponsor is brought to you by she sells menwear are you looking for the latest trendy men's fashion look no further she Men's menwear carries handcrafted bow ties ties, suit accessories, and everyday streetwear They're your one-stop, mo inspired men's shop. You can search them online at www.xixomenswear.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey, we are super excited. Today, I have me and my co-host, Mai Tao. And who are we talking with, Mai?
1: We are talking to the one and only, Herving. I'm sure you guys all have seen his videos. You guys have heard him on the TEDx Youth Talk. Very, very exciting, interesting person that we are talking to this morning.
0: This gentleman has biked off, uh, we call it Laos, th- Thailand, to Vietnam, and back around. How much mile was
2: that, man? Her. That was, I think roughly four to 5,000 miles. And how many wow. days was that? That was almost three months.
1: Oh my goodness. All right.
0: There's one thing I always ask, everyone tell us one thing we do not know about you her
2: um one thing you don't know about me um wow
0: <laughs> i could help
1: little
0: bit. Um, i could help little bit because um your your name is her right my first name is she and then my is my so we're all girls talking <laughs> no, not not funny. Not sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I think so. I guess one thing that people don't really know about me is that um, so I actually picked my birthday. A mm. lot of Hmong people picked our birthdays, but <laughs> I had three different birthdays when I was making my passport, so I had to pick one.
1: Oh, yeah. so what okay. did you
2: pick? So what did you I pick? picked uh, t- 21st April 1996.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, also oh, it's your birthday's coming around.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, it is. The one that I picked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so what is your real birthday? <laughs> if you don't mind sharing. I don't know. Oh, you don't know? Okay. I don't know
2: actually.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, good to know. Thanks for sharing. I think my birthday is, I think, so I was born November 25th, 1981, but I always knew I was like, mom, mm-hmm. I was like, mom, I was like, mom, was like, I am like, okay. Yeah, my, my
2: um, like today, um, even like today, people still tell me that like, I was born, you know, in March, and some people are like, oh, you were born doing during the harvest season. And I'm like, that's very different from March. So, you know, they give us like different, different dates all the time. And I'm just like, yeah, different people just give different dates. Um, yeah, so Hmong people do that a lot. And, and it's hard to actually know when exactly.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's very true. The uh, Big Yellow Toledo, you can notice their date of birth. A lot of them are like in June or July. Like yeah. the, <laughs> yeah, so very, her, very good to know, yeah,
0: her, you are so inspiring, and I know this is gonna be a super exciting uh chat, and one thing I wanted to say was, you went to school to Netherlands, right, yeah, for two years, yeah, for two years, and that was your first time ever you went to school. How'd you uh, how'd you get the funds to go up go there? Cause you I know you 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 grew up in you know rice farm rice farming.
2: Yeah, so um, I always wanted to go abroad for um, school, and um, so I I always wanted to go abroad for school, and then that was the reason why I wanted to learn English. So I started learning English on the street, and then um, I guess me learning English on the street um, and also being out at the night market every night just talking to foreigners, that showed how much I wanted to learn. Um, um, A lot of people helped me to get into like English classes in Longpabang and a lot of people taught me English for free. So when the scholarship came in, they wanted um, uh, someone who would who deserved the, the scholarship? So, um, a lot of the people in Lung Prabang knew me and then they suggested um, me to apply. So, I applied and then I got the scholarship and um, it was fully funded.
0: You went there wow. because your brother was there, correct?
2: To Lung Prabang or yeah. to the Netherlands?
0: No, no, to uh, Prabang now. My bad, my bad. To Lung Pubang.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If I if I if I recall right, uh, your dad was a very very abusive uh, verbally and physically to you and your mom, and it was not only that, but he was a huge opium addict. Yep. Yep. Uh, have you reunite and have you know uh, a talk with your dad ever since?
2: Yeah. So um, I actually see him very often now. Um, um I think for a long long time because of of his um abusiveness for a long long time, you know like Hmong family you you always you will always be in the family even though your dad kind of even though you don't really like your dad um as a Hmong person you will still be in the family he'll still be around you you just don't talk about it right. So for me, for a long time, I just had that, that kind of like anger and hatred in me, um, but I didn't really talk to anybody about it. Also, you don't, you can't talk to anybody about your, about hate, hating your dad, I guess. Um, so for a long time, I didn't talk about it. And then um, I met this teacher who taught me to, um, to forgive people. And then eventually I came to realize that that what my dad did, meaning what he did to abuse my mom and to broken down the family, I, 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 I only needed to see it from a different perspective. And then I realized that if he hadn't been that way, my life right now would have been very, very different. I would probably have been married already, you know, already. Um so I'm very thankful for, for him and and my family being exactly the way um it was because that really made me who I am. So I guess I, I don't I don't really have any hatred on him on him anymore. Um I talk to him a lot. Um I I'm aware that he he has his own um, ideas that I don't agree with. Um, but, but, but I'm okay with that too.
1: Have you ever shared that, um, those feelings with your dad her?
2: Um, not really. Okay. Some, I, it's, it's, it's a goal for me to do it.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. Cause you're at. You know,
0: because um, you know, your dad was so abusive at five years old, uh, you know, your mom and dad had a divorce and it was just you was just you and your mom, you know, just living uh whatever yeah. you guys can live off of, you know, uh rice farm work or whatever you guys could, you know, make ends meet. I mean, there was a point where that 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 you know, that was divorced and then you guys went on with your life with just you and your mom and at one point your mom told you like, Hey son, um, you know, what would I visa? Right. I'm going to get my visa. And yeah. and you're like, okay, but you didn't realize till what, two, three, four months later, like, wait a minute. Like
2: my mom disappeared. Yeah. So, um, I was nine years old and, um, so my mom and I usually just, we went to visit my aunt, right? My mom's sister in a village on the way to Vientiane. So I always thought, so w- when my mom came and said, hey, I'm gonna go to, to Vientiane, make my you know, visa, blah, blah, blah. I thought she was visiting my aunt because the bus was heading that way. So I didn't know. And then she, once she was gone, she called, and then my um, brother explained it to me. He was like, "Oh, the U.S. is far away." Also, like, education in Laos is also um, um, for us. I didn't, I didn't know what what the U.S. meant at nine years old. Have
1: you ever heard I of the United States before that? Have you ever yeah. heard of the name United States? Oh, okay. Um, well,
2: I. I think I have, but as a kid, I don't, I don't, I don't think I knew what it meant.
1: Mm. Okay. Yeah. You probably thought it was just the next village across the mountains or something. Yeah, I. <laughs>
2: yeah, I actually thought Laos was was the only country that existed until until I came to Luang Prabang. Mm. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Now, Her, I think what I find really, really beautiful about your story is. You really grew up with nothing. you know you grew up with an abusive father who loved you and your mom, but somehow, some way you found resilience in your journey. You know you found that to get out of that, you had to learn english you know you you there was a story that you used in one of your videos talking about how you started cycling. You mentioned you you started with a broken heart. And you used that. And, I, I, and that's why I find your story so beautiful, because every bunt that you came across, you've been able to found strength in it and found resiliency and turned it into something that grew you. How, how did you do that? I mean, what was going through your mind? Was it something your mom said? Was it something that you remember your dad doing? Your dad said? Was it something that you just had in you?
2: i think um as a kid growing up in in a broken family you you learn to to want more out of life and because as a kid you always want things that that other kids have right Mm -hmm. and you can't have it so you learn to to want those things and and you learn to work for them so i think as a kid i was I grew up like that in a way um, so I already had that in me a little bit but when I started learning English I was also taught those um, different values of life on how how I want my life to be and and how I can change my life or make my life the way that I want um and that was through learning English on the street in Lumpabang. Um I met I met an American teacher who um who taught me a lot of those um, perspectives on life. So I think i I, I learned it from him as well. And then after that, um, um, like now, I kind of see it as in like, yeah, this thing happened. this this thing that I don't want to happen to my life happened, but I can't just sit here and complain about it. What can I do about it to make it better? so so for me, um, there's always two ways to see things. You can either see the negative aspect or you can see the positive aspect. And I, I usually, I choose to see the positive aspect of, of every problem because it serves me better than seeing the negative aspect of it. And that's how I, that's how I live my life.
0: Wow, that is such a strong message. And you're so determined. I mean, we got to the point, you're so determined that, you know, after your mom left, you decided to go to school and then you're probably 10, 11 years old. But at that time, you were heavily bullied when you were in school and being kicked around, pushed around, sweared at, you know, and being traumatized from that. But that didn't stop you until you came to an age about 15 years old that is the biggest turning point of you know trajectory in your story what happened at 15 16 years old
2: um so i think the the whole bullying that happened in school also really made me um, realize that that i had nobody um to protect me and i had to I had to stand up for myself, and I think that also lead me to um, leaving the countryside, coming to Lukobang and wanting to um, um, to make something out of life for me so when I was fifteen, I wanted to my my dream my, my dream was to go see my mom in the u s because um, after she left she 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 told me that she wanted. But she told me that she would come back for me, right? And then she never did. So I was like, you know what? I If she doesn't want to come back for me, then I'll work my way up and I'll go see her. So at 15, I moved to Lumpabang and I started learning English. Um, and I I was going to go to all the English centers, but it cost a lot of money. So I just went on the street, started talking to foreigners. Um, a, lot, a bunch of my friends and I, we all did that. Um, and then I, I was able to, um, like I said earlier, I was able to meet an American teacher who took me in, um, and fed me food, uh, gave me a house, um, and taught me many, many life lessons that um, I would have, I would, I wouldn't have learned um, otherwise. So that 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 time really changed my life and really made who I am today too
0: wow you're this gentleman this teacher they met must be an amazing guy yeah you were at a point Mm -hmm. where you were so determined that you were going to school and 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 at night you went again to the the street tours and the the foreigners and you were talking a broken english you know i could just imagine you talking hey uh hey mr kababa uh, me to, you know, it was both mixed and trying to talk in Hmong and English because you you were you wanted it so bad, you know, because you're determined of seeing your mom going to school, I could just imagine you on the street just talking both you know, heck, you must put talk to Mika and maybe Laos in the mix of just trying to talk and communicate with these tourists. Am I right?
2: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we were, um, my friends and I were like we really wanted to learn the language. Um, and there were, there were a lot of foreigners in Lumpabang. So we would just, <laughs> basically, we would just ride our bicycle around town. And anybody that we saw, we would stop and talk to them. And also, at that point, we did not know anything about cultural differences. Mm. So, so questions that we asked them would be things like, Where are you going? Where are you from? Where do you live? And we would freak them out. Like that would be like the first question. We would be like, hello, where are you going? And I would freak them out. Um, yeah. and then we, What do they usually say would... to
1: you when you guys ask them that? Oh, when you guys ask them, where are you guys go? What do they usually say? I would be freaked out if someone, I don't know, came up to me and be like, hey, where are you going? Where do you live?
2: <laughs> yeah, but we were also a bunch of kids. so Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we had backpacks on. We looked like students. So they didn't, you know, they didn't freak out that much. I remember there was there was one time um, at night, I was coming back from the night market from talking to foreigners. And then there was one word that I forgot the meaning. It was um, apologize. I forgot what it meant. So on my way from the night market home, I was looking for a foreigner to ask. And then it was at night. It was like 10 p.m. And I would stop and I would be like, hey, excuse me. Um can you tell me what this would mean? And then they would run away. And I would I was like, why would they run away? I just wanted to ask one word. Because I didn't I didn't know that, like, you know, it's at night. I shouldn't just stop in the middle of the street and then talk to people. So <laughs> yeah, but we, we had to learn all those things on the way too. <laughs>
1: it must have been fun. That must have been really fun. It sounded like it was yeah, it fun. Was,
2: <laughs> it was really fun. I Like, I still miss those times a lot.
1: Oh, well, that's great memories that you have, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks for sharing that experience. <laughs> now I'm going to be like my kids. Kids, if you guys want to learn anything, just do what her did. If you want to learn Chinese? You want to learn Spanish? Just go up to somebody and ask them.
2: <laughs> it, it was actually... The best way I've learned um, languages.
1: Mm. So
2: I'm taking Japanese in university right now. And I've, 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 I've taken Spanish for two years. Um, and it didn't help at all in university. Um, and Japanese, I, I, I just think the way languages is taught in school, it's not that helpful. At least for me. Different people might have different ways of learning it, but for me, it doesn't really work well. I have to be out there on the street talking to people.
1: Mm, I'm That's the same way as you. Learn. I learn a lot of stuff just like you do too. I can be in class all yeah. day long and I nothing registers.
2: Yeah. So I actually find that it destroys my passion for languages instead.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
2: Hmm. With that said, then how many languages do you want to learn? Um I once had a goal of 30 languages. That was before I went to the Netherlands for school. Um so I was I was learning English, Spanish, Hebrew, Japanese, Chinese. Um and then I went to the Netherlands for school and then school got super super busy. So I didn't I didn't really make it. <laughs> so you're oh, saying
0: so you're saying as long as you go bike there, you want to learn the language. That means the whole country on your bike. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is a very, very athletic, healthy way of getting anywhere. So kudos to you, Her. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God! Uh, so the last I heard about your about you actually uh, was I just saw a recent video that you're cycling, your plan to cycle across the United States was put to a halt, of course, because of the coronavirus. And it's so yeah. it's very. But I'm so bummed to hear that because that would have been such. It would be. It would have been amazing to see and witness.
2: Yeah, it was actually, um, I think it was one one of the biggest trip I've planned and I've been really looking forward to. Um, and I'm really sad that it had to be canceled. But it's probably better that it's canceled for now due to the, the situation right now there.
1: Sure. Now for those of those who didn't know about it, can you share a little bit of, of what the purpose of the cycling journey was? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, I run a project that I started here in Laos. Um, it's called, it used to be called, um, dreams givers, but we changed it to Givers of dreams. Um, and we've been running it for the past two years. We have, um, so basically we, we provide underprivileged kids with scholarships to go to school and um, English classes for free. Uh, we also have 15 kids living with us in the house that we rent in Lungkubang. So the, the purpose of the bike trip was to fundraise, to um, keep the project here and to keep to continue helping uh, the kids from the countryside so that they can go to school. Um, and also feeding the kids that live here.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. So inspiring.
0: So inspiring. You, uh, started that project about shortly after your, or shortly after your TED talk, that was about three years ago. Um, you know, not only, not only that was three years ago, you also, went to school in the u.s because you landed a full ride scholar um to the u.s and not top of that 13 years goes by you met your mom that's Um, where you guys reunited it was
2: 11 years
0: 11 years okay
2: yeah
0: and then now you are you know you founded now dream givers but now it's called giving Mm. uh, giving what did say that again give us a dreams give us a dream give us a dream love that I love your mission. I love your vision behind it. It is very inspiring. It resonates with what you did as a kid, but now, you know, these kids are going to have it maybe just a little bit less harder, you know, to learn English, thanks to individuals, to you.
1: Mm-hmm. So Her, how many students do you have right now in school? Uh, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. <laughs>
2: um,
1: Yeah, so the
2: students vary from time to time. Mm -hmm. It depends on what time of the year. Um, For example, in the summer, when schools are um, are on break, students from different parts of the country come to Lung for English classes. So during that time, we have over 100 students.
1: Wow. And
2: like the houses, it's a house that we rent, right? But it always feels like, like like a kindergarten school <laughs> the house is always full like all day long um because i teach a class and then and then the older students they also teach their own classes as well so we have a lot of beginner kids and also advanced kids that are coming from everywhere so we get like packed um, and we some during the summer we have over like 100 students um, but during when school is in session we have roughly around 50 kids
1: wow the kids must love to come to school every day
2: yeah they do they do yeah
1: that's awesome yeah.
0: that is super awesome actually is I mean, in in school you're you're probably teaching what in, obviously english uh math anything else besides any you know any different what you're teaching her
2: um, so um, we teach mainly English, but um, we also try to teach the kids things that are related to life. Um, so we talk a lot about about um, culture. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, love, uh, relationships, um, goal settings, uh, dreams.
1: Uh, that kind of thing as well. So, her, anything you want to share with us with uh, your experience with the kids, bringing education to them? Because I think a lot of the times for us who don't live there and who doesn't teach or see the kids every day, we don't know exactly what happens there. What is the kind of reaction you get from the kids or the parents? Are they appreciative? Are they happy? Or are they more like, oh, you know, maybe it's not good. What is, is there a great experience or a great moment where it just sets you and you're like, man, you know what, I, this is definitely my calling. I'm meant to do this. And I see that it's really helping.
2: Yeah, um, so I have a kid called um, Zal and um, she's she's a sister of a, of a friend of mine and her parents are a lot like my parents um her dad was also addicted to um opium and her two of her sisters got married to two chinese men and they were, so after they went to china they got sold off to um other other chinese men um and sh- so for me it's i always wanted to 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 change the lives of those kids that could end up like her sisters and we so we brought her in she came in she knew nothing she she didn't know anything about english and then two three months passed she was speaking some english and then she came and she said she said to me that she was like hey i don't want to be like my sister i want to have a better future i don't want to get married off to china like like one of my sisters and i think that was a moment that i was i was just there and i'm like yes you are not i i can see that you're not going that way anymore i can see that you have a future now only because now you're able to speak english you can you can get a job in a private um company here in laos and you'll be well off and you don't need to get married to an older guy so you can survive. So I, that kind of, that was a moment when I was like, yes, I was meant to do this.
1: Oh my gosh, that literally like brings tears to my eyes. You don't see it hurt, but I just got goosebumps all over my body because that is just such a happy story.
0: That is just one, but you have made so much impact already and many more is to come. I mean, these impacts. I think one, yeah, go ahead.
2: I think one thing that I, I also see in a lot of the kids um, is that, I wouldn't say I'm the first Hmong person to, to go to the US for a four year university scholarship um, because I don't know if other Hmong have already done that. But I think in Luang Prabang, I'm one of the first. And when I was, when I was trying to get the scholarship well, when I, was, when I had the dream and when I, when I was trying to get, you know, the opportunity to go study abroad, I didn't know anyone who was, who's done that, right? So all my friends and I, we, we all wanted to study abroad, but we didn't know anybody. So we were just working on something that we didn't even know if it was possible. We all had this dream of studying in America, but no one's done it yet. So we were like, yeah, we have this dream, but we don't know if it's possible. But now that, I think now that I've done that, I've gone to the US for university and coming back, a lot of the kids here look at me and and I, I think they, they don't just see me as a model. They see me as, as a possibility for them as well. Yeah, Beautiful. so I think yeah, every, every kids that come to study here um, uh, not every kid, but uh, many, many of the kids that come study here, when you ask them what they want to do, a lot of them were like, "Hey, I want to go study abroad. Um, and I want to come back and also help the community in in a way that I can. So I think for me, just just me being here working on this project, helping the kids and seeing that the kids want to to do something um, similar or or want to help. Uh, and give back to our community here. I think that was something that, that just really touched me as a teacher for them.
1: Mm, how many teachers are at the school? It's you, and it sounds like you have also friends that are teachers.
2: Yeah, so I have a few friends that um, come over to help. So it's all volunteer. Okay. Uh, we don't, none of us is getting paid. Um, <laughs> it's all volunteer work. And um, some of my friends come over to help teach the the more beginner classes. And also, there are students that I've been teaching um, from the start, from the very start of the project. They're now, they have pretty good English. So they're also trying to um, practice it by teaching all the kids as well.
1: Yeah, we see your videos that you constantly share of the students and it's it brings joy to a lot of our faces. Yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you for keeping us updated with your progress and all that. Thank you so much for that.
0: We got like less than five minutes, um, so uh,
1: we can wh- add on. Uh, I still want to talk to her.
0: You still want? Okay. <laughs> All right. In
2: that case, then uh, I, think, I will. Uh, I think one thing that um, I think one thing. Unless that you I, gotta go to sleep, her. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm good. But um, okay. I think that one thing that I um, I've often heard when I'm in the US is a lot of Hmong Americans. They kind of have this, this um, stigma or this idea. Yeah, attitude towards okay. towards Monk American kids. They kind of mm-hmm. they kind of t- they tell me things like, oh, you know, they're so spoiled. They don't, you know, they don't work as hard. Stigma, yeah. And yeah. you know, like things like that. And like, I do understand that, but also like I think me working with the kids here has really helped me understand that if we were to put the kids in laos right in the u.s they would act exactly the way that the kids in the
1: so her when you were here in america was it last year
2: uh yeah it was so i just came back like two weeks
1: ago oh okay all right. Oh yeah, because yeah. I think I spoke with you earlier this year, or was it yeah, I think it was yeah. earlier this year. Okay. Yeah. What tell me one observation that you had in America that kind of took you by surprise.
2: Yeah, so when I actually when I first got to the US, I went to Sacramento first. Um I went to meet my mom and then I saw a lot of the, the moon kids there, right? And I think my first impression was also like Oh, why do all these monk kids just play video games all day? You know? And then um after a while I realized that also me working with kids in Laos, I realized that Hmong kids in Laos are also dunging. Yeah. We have we have a lot of dunging kids here too, a lot of in the US. But Mungika always tell me that, hey, you know, you especially because I go around and talk about my project and I, I tell them um, about the kids that really want to learn. So they always tell me, that, oh, but they're, they're lazy, they don't want to learn, they always play video games. And then I'm like, you know what? If we were to put the mongduo the in the shoes of the we would the, the mongduo would probably do exactly the same thing. And if you were to put the mongmika kids right in Laos, where they have struggles, they would probably strive for more in life as well.
1: Yeah, so I think I, 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 think I would I think agree. I <laughs> the, the the two communities.
2: Oh, um, the life yeah. of
1: comparisons, huh? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I think a lot of kids, Momika, will, will be happy to hear that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the... Uh, because sometimes when I'm 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 there, right? And then the parents say that to me and then the kids is right there. And I'm like... What do you
1: say? <laughs>
2: How do you respond to that? I, I, I said what I just said. I'm, okay. I'm like, hey, you, I don't think... I think if you put your kids in Laos, they would probably work as hard as the kids in Laos as well.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that would be true too. Because the, the cultural upbringing here is so different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's too many, There's too much time here in America, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, but you know, I wanted to really just talk a little bit more about your foundation, uh, Dream of Givers. Uh, I remember the very first time that we heard your name, Hervey, and everyone's like, who is Hervey?" Talking about, you know, wanting to bring education to students and kids in Laos, right? I remember when I first saw your video, and I'm sure many people that are listening are probably going back and saying the same thing, like, "Who is he like is he serious? <laughs> you know and now how how many years has dreams of givers been in action now? how many years
2: so I actually started um givers of James in um, twenty twenty uh, 15? No, 2016, actually, 2016. But we were only giving our scholarships. We were not renting houses and, and giving classes for kids. Mm. Um, and then 2018 was when we went pretty big on it. It was when we started renting houses and then having kids come live with us. Um, so it was 2018, yeah.
1: Wow. And it seems like it has grown so much. I mean, you have a board of directors now, you know, we're working with other yeah, we're, people. We're, we're trying
2: to turn it into a nonprofit.
1: <laughs> well, you know how you're doing. You got, you guys, all yeah. of you guys collectively are doing a wonderful job. What is your vision for Dream of Givers? Your ultimate vision? So, um,
2: we want to expand Givers of Dreams, not only, um, in Laos, but also to Vietnam um, and, and hopefully to Myanmar as well. Um, I haven't seen the Hmong community in Myanmar, so I don't really know um, how much they need something like Givers of Dreams, but Vietnam, they definitely do. And also the kids there are like super, super eager to learn as well. So our ultimate goal is to bring Givers of Dreams to all the Hmong communities in um, developing countries.
1: Mm, okay and I'm sure there are days where her there are tough days right (laughs) what (laughs) what is your anchor that you use to get you up every day to do what you do because I'm sure it's not easy um
2: I I love it I love what I do um and just just seeing the kids from from not, not having confidence to starting their own projects and going out to the community, uh, doing service, doing different services for the community. I think that makes me get up every day to doing this work.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. You're making a big impact to her. Thank you so much for that. Let's, let's go back and talk about your cycling in the USA. Any plans about resuming it in the future of course i'm sure right now everything's up in the air but any plans about resuming it later this year or pushing it out to next year and what kind of support are you looking for for that yeah
2: so um we are we yeah, are not canceling it <laughs> we're just good just planning it to next summer um for one i love cycling and I love traveling, so I'm not going to cancel it. But also, um, we we want to expand Givers of Dreams um, on a bigger scale. And uh, we want to register in Laos. And also, um, we want to send kids. We want to take our kids in Laos to summer schools in the U.S. Um, oh, so okay. We, yeah, so we'll need the fundings for all of that. Um, either registering here and registering in the US and also sending the kids there, providing more scholarships, um, not only to high school students, but also to university students as well uh, here in Laos because our kids are are graduating. Some of them are graduating um, high schools and they're going towards universities and that will cause a lot more. So we want to be able to support them um, on the, the university Um, journey as well so we'll definitely continue the bike trip and um, um, we're looking for people to uh, come out and ride with me uh, parts of the trip and um, also help host or like host a reception where I will be talking about the project and um, we'll be doing fundraising a little bit
1: oh okay Uh, when are you planning to come back to the the United States This year, at one at some point.
2: Yeah, so um, hopefully, if the virus situation gets better uh, before the fall semester, Mm -hmm. then I'll be back in the fall, and then the trip will start in April um, next year.
1: Okay, okay. Can you share what grades do you guys teach? From you miss you just mentioned high school. Do you guys teach from like? I guess kindergarten to all the way to high school. Um,
2: I I don't really teach the kindergarten kids, okay. but um, the, my students teach the more more beginners classes, so they have um kids from like five years old all the way to like twelve, and I have um I teach uh, kids from like thirteen all the way to um like eighteen and nineteen.
1: Okay, awesome. Well. Her, I can't say enough, you know, it's, I think you've done a wonderful job. And when you come here to cycle, I hope you get a big, like 1000 cyclists with you to go or just on the sideline to just be like, (laughs) woo!
2: yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. most definitely. No, we thank you. The Hmong
2: community there has been very, very helpful um, towards what we are doing here. Um, So yeah, I want to thank everybody for that too. Yeah. Anyone who's watching, I want to thank
1: everybody for that, too. For sure. For sure. So make sure you update us on when your cycling continues again so we can send the words out out there and let everybody know.
2: Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Mm-hmm.
0: The map that you made out is from from Sacramento and all the way to Maine. Uh, we'll have that all in the, in the description and all on the website, too. And... Yep. and being part of we love your mission we love what you do you know I'm going to add your website on to our website as well too so mm-hmm. they can hop on over and check you out too I'm looking forward for the cyclists especially when you're in the Twin City come on ride with you
1: oh yes yeah that would be great Yeah, and I don't have a bike but I definitely would join this one <laughs> yeah great yeah is, is, boy, anything, is,
0: is, is there anything else from you Mike?
1: nope
0: um, well her uh you know i want to wrap things up here you know can you tell us what is it to be a Hmong man
2: um i think that i think so i've i've gone to um different Hmong communities i've I've, i haven't seen the whole community yet but i've gone to a few different ones and um um I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I completely understand what the Hmong Vietnam is like or what the Hmong Thai is like, but I would say overall, from what I've seen, I think being a Hmong man today means that we have to support our sisters. I think a lot of a lot of the reasons why we are um, hold back in um, a lot of the the things in life is because our sisters are incredibly smart, but they're not they're not allowed to flourish the 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 intelligence um, and the abilities. So I think if you're among men. I think you have the responsibility to also support your sisters um, in any way that you can. Um, I think, I I think I'm saying specifically for Hmong Lao and Hmong Vietnam. Um, Because I think we are still, Um, we still think that, you know, our sister's going to get married and then they're going to live with all the family. But, I think they're they're also human and we we need to support them as well okay
1: In, how do you feel how do you figure that's gonna help the Hmong men her i think i've heard that i've heard that a couple of times actually even from Hmong men you know but i'm trying to i think i'm trying to understand how what that means for you you know if you were to help the Hmong women flourish and achieve the goals and dreams, how does that help also the Hmong men grow?
2: I think a lot of, a lot of, I think the reason, one of the reasons why we don't want our girls to flourish is is because of the ego that we have too, right? I think that's that's one of the reasons I see very often. It's the ego that we have as, as a Hmong man. Um, we always want to be, in power all the time um and i think that we need to put that down Mm. yeah that's it i i think that we need to put that down in order for us to thrive as a community i think that we just need to put that down
1: Mm. yeah that makes sense it does
2: lastly can you give us
0: an advice her give us the advice that you would tell your younger self tell Tell the younger 15 year old her if he wants to be a cyclist or a nonprofit in a certain school, the mission that you've done. Can you give us that advice?
2: Um, two things. So, the first thing I would give my so my 13 year old advice, is um, be proud of being Hmong. Because um, there were times when I was definitely when I was was hesitant or when I wasn't proud of being more so that was the one thing I would tell myself and then the second thing is is see you know your self-worth and know that you have values too because um, I think a lot of the a lot of kids these days they see what other people have or what other people look like and they want to look like them. And I think in order for other people to like you, you have to like you first. You have to value you first for other people to value you. So that would be the second advice I'd give myself. Okay.
1: Spoken with truth. Thank you for sharing that.
2: And then lastly, her to
0: wrap this up, where can we follow you, man? There's a lot of listeners. Like, do you have a a website? Do you have, you know, your Facebook? you tell us them that? Yeah, so...
2: um, I have a Facebook page uh, just called Herbong, And yeah, if you go follow me on there, um, I usually update anything about the project or um, about my life cycling and um, yeah, anything about me where I update, it's all on the Facebook page. And also you can just, um, people can just message me on the Facebook page as well. We are very, very
0: appreciative of your time especially coming on the podcast and spying and having a nice long chat with us
1: so thank you so much thank you thank you for making the time thank you for staying up late and chatting with us we look forward to you uh, to your visit sometime in the next year and hopefully we get to cycle together
2: yeah yeah that would be great
1: yeah all right well you take that
0: ends our episode If you haven't yet, visit our official website at www.momentock.com or like and share us on Facebook at Momentock. Shout out to DJ Peter. Thank you for letting us use your beat and your music. Again, you can check him out on YouTube. DJ Peter. Thanks, man.